Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Today, we're going to start off with the science. The science on Trump supporters' authoritarianism dispositions. Spoiler alert, they don't have them. (laughs) <laughs> so it's look don't not look do not attack me it's science okay at least according to the research conducted out of cambridge published at the cambridge university press cambridge.org is the website research done by john hibbing it's very very lengthy i'm not going to go over all of it i am going to give you the, the the highlights though because we have heard for a very long time that If you like Donald Trump, then you must be an authoritarian. You have these authoritarian impulses. And uh, he is the best manifestation of the tyrant, of the Mussolini-like fascist, of the authoritarian that you have been craving. And so that's why you like him. Except it's not really true. Now, it could be true for some people, right? Undoubtedly, there are some people that are like down with authoritarianism and they like Trump. But uh, there are also people who are down with authoritarianism and they are of the left. I encounter them pretty regularly on social media. From the research, social scientists who resist the application of biological principles to politics frequently do so because they believe that politics is uniquely human and it's entirely attributable to the specific, highly variable environmental circumstances existing in a given place and time. Okay, that's that's a mouthful. Um, so let me, let me break this down. There is a belief that uh, politics is and philosophy that uh, form your politics, that it is only due to when you're alive, where you live, right? All of these, what he calls highly variable environmental circumstances, right? All this stuff going on around us at this particular moment, that's the reason why we have the political philosophy that we do. There is another school of thought, though, that says it's actually biological, In other words, we don't even really have a choice. There's just something about the way we are made up in our brains, in our DNA, and that's informed through, you know, generational uh, evolution and traumas and all this other stuff that gets carried on through the DNA and all of that, right? There's this whole other school of thought. So what they, what Hibbing and his team of researchers, what they are arguing is that there are clear commonalities that show through, and that increases the odds that deeper psychological and physiological differences could be in evidence even across cultures, and not just across cultures, but across 
hundreds or even thousands of years that there are these basic traits in humans. There are these, uh, what is it, like, uh, he calls them packages, the, the, this pa- these two different packages of traits. And I'm gonna get, I'll tell you what they are, but they are different in that as they manifest themselves in our current pol- uh, politics, they are deemed to be right or left. But in fact, they have deeper roots. He says, the deeper motivation of intense supporters of Donald Trump serves as a window into the deeper universal nature of politics. But what exactly is this motivation? As it turns out, the motivations of Trump's base are frequently misunderstood. I first focus on two popular accounts of the biological, uh, psychological basis of Trump's support uh, that do not seem to hold up and then turn to the explanation that is more consistent with casual observation as well as systematic data. He definitely speaks like a scientist. Well, writes like a scientist, at least. All right, so, first off, you have the first, or you have the frequently asserted but erroneous account of the psychological and biological roots of of the Trump movement. And that is this allegation that people who are predisposed to authoritarianism are also attracted to leaders like Donald Trump. But if you look at what authoritarians prefer, like as far as like Trump supporters, if they are authoritarians, what would that mean? It would mean that there would be blind submission to authority and obedience over liberty. And at least since the 1950s, this desire to obey authority and to have authority obeyed has been associated with status quo rightists, which is a I, like leftists. That term works. Rightists has never. It's it's an awkward term. Righties. I don't know. It's, it sounds better, even though it sounds kind of like childish, you know, lefties and righties. But leftists and rightists. I don't know. Rightists makes me think like. That they're, I don't know, authoring something, you know. Claims of an authoritarian conservative uh, conservative connection were popularized by the work of one Robert Altmeyer. In fact, Altmeyer probably took things a step too far by baking conservatism into his conceptualization and measurement of what is an authoritarian. His preferred label was right-wing authoritarian. So, yeah, it seems pretty obvious that conservatism would be baked into that, right? Right Right-wing authoritarianism. By attaching authoritarian attitudes to particular political beliefs, authoritarianism is assured of being related to political ideology. But that's largely meaningless, Because there are authoritarians on the left, and anybody who understands communism knows this, right? So let's start anecdotally. Trump's most ardent followers, the ones who stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, let's say, the ones who wanted to tar and feather and maybe even kill Mike Pence or Anthony Fauci or kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, who, by the way, three of the people just got acquitted up in Michigan for that one. Um, which probably is why they don't want any of the J6ers tried in their 
outside of Washington, D.C. But I digress. So even these most ardent supporters hardly appear to be authoritarian. Right? In fact, they recoil in the presence of authority. They physically attack rather than adopt a respectful and subservient posture towards police officers and government officials. Many of those who venerate Trump do not value obedience over liberty. Although I would just throw in, I think they do value obedience to Trump. I do think there is a value there, that there is an obedience to Trump. But I, I chalk that up more to a, uh, a cult of personality, uh, uh, a celebrity worship kind of thing going on there. Because, look, the right, as, as long as I have been uh, in talk radio, which is now 20-plus years, the right is a sucker for a celebrity that says, I agree with you. They, they, really, I mean, they really are. Look, I don't, like, I don't get that kind of, uh, I don't get the kind of, uh, well, celebrity worship. I, I, it, it's never afflicted me like that, but I see it all the time. And I understand it. And I, I, I'm not knocking people for it. Um, it's just one of those things where uh, people on the right, I think, well, okay, how else do you explain Scott Bayo? Right? I mean, come on. Everybody's like, Scott Bayo, yeah. Really? That's like that's the guy on the right. That's the celebrity we get is, you know, Scott Bayo and uh Kirk Cameron. And I'm not I'm not denigrating the guys. I'm just saying, like, they're not they're not exactly, you know, current A-list movie stars for many, many reasons. And I I, I welcome all participants to the battle, right? I, I do. I, I I want more people on on the side of uh, conservatism and limited government, but there is this there's this draw because I think we don't have on the right a lot of celebrities that join the cause, and so when we get anybody, it's kind of like yes, you know, <laughs> we we are validated, and I think Trump serves that 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 kind of role. That being said. The definition of what an authoritarian is uh, and what an authoritarianist is um, or authoritarian, what, what they are, it doesn't actually line up very well with Trump supporters all the time. It's the science. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Going over this research on um, Trump supporters and authoritarianism. We've been hearing for six years now. Well, seven years, seven, eight years. Ugh. Um, <laughs> that it's only due to authoritarianism that Trump supporters like Donald Trump. And what the research done by uh, Cambridge, by John Hibbing and his team, he's like, no, this is it's much deeper and it really doesn't have anything to do with, 
with Trump or politics. It has to do with biological and psychological normalcies over the course of millennia. All right, we'll get back to that in a minute. Let me get Pete on here. Hello, Pete. Welcome to the program. Pete. Hey. I hold you in the highest respect, so don't take this the wrong way. But uh, that stuff about the celebrity stuff, man, that sounds like uh, psycho babble nonsense to me. You don't think that there's a bunch of conservatives that yearn for celebrities to endorse conservatism? Uh, yearn? I mean, that's a strong word. I mean, you know, I, I think it's kind of nice if someone does, but, you know, it's, it's, yearn, yearn's the wrong word here. And, you know, I, I don't think it's got, one's got to do with the other as far as support goes. I think what got Trump at the office is he could communicate very well. Oh, please. He was Pete. Not, he was not, really? Well, he, yeah, come on now. He I mean, could communicate very well? You don't know where Trump is coming from. I do. I, okay, I grew up go. in that's New York, that's yeah. I mean. That's what I mean. So, yeah, I mean, is, is he a wordsmith? No, he's not. But, yeah, that's, uh, there's a far cry between being a wordsmith and speaking <laughs> in the word salad that he does. I mean, well, Kamala Harris for words. It's not. A, anyway. Look, I can I can agree with both. Like I like I don't have to choose one or the other. You know. <laughs> no, but anyway, he was straightforward. You know. No, oh, Pete, come on! Oh, my goodness, for the love of us, what do you? Come on, the, the, he was straightforward. Did you hear what he said yesterday on Megyn Kelly's podcast? Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. When he said they do not send their best to us, mm-hmm. okay. He kind of backed it up. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. Would you like me to give you some other examples? Please. All right, so, like, he said he didn't give Fauci the commendation. Well, I mean, you know, the man's not perfect in the Fauci thing. The the thing I will say about Trump in that (laughs) particular case is he wasn't all for the mandates. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't his best move. But at the time, you know, that's not the point I'm trying to make. It's a celebrity thing. I Uh think that's wrong. I think people support Trump for a lot of different reasons. True. You know, and I think there's no one that I know personally supports, geez, you know, he's a celebrity and it's great and all that stuff. I just don't know anyone like that. Right. Well, they're not going to say that, Pete. They're not going to say, they're not going to go out and be like, I love Donald Trump because he was on TV. Nobody's going to say that. I don't even know anyone that watched his show. How does that sound? I mean, I, I don't know. I never watched it. Right. I did. I watched. I thought oh, it was. See, yeah. There you go. Well, maybe that's why you support him or for you don't. I don't know. Right. No, no, I, I did not because I watched his show. <laughs> all right no pete i appreciate the call sir all thank right, you all please, right please. all right have a great weekend all right you may have noticed that i've been helping the alzheimer's association of western north carolina for a while and it's a great organization they got awesome people with huge hearts my grandfather died of alzheimer's when i was a kid and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family now things are different today thanks to the work of the alzheimer's association it's why i support them every year we do a series of walks all over the country There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. All right, so uh, authoritarians love Trump because he's an authoritarian, right? That's been the narrative that we have been subjected to. It's been hammered away by the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, for the last eight years or so. Um, New research indicates not true, not true. 
Many of the people who love Trump do not value obedience over liberty. If anything, they value liberty over obedience. Uh, I mean, hello, J6. Um, As has been noted elsewhere, they are much closer to being anti-authoritarians than authoritarians. And then there's a reference to another research uh, paper that was done, Lutgen, 2022. Systematic evidence comes to the same conclusion. The best empirical studies find little evidence of a link between Trump supporters and authoritarianism. In fact, the signs of the relationships were in the opposite direction, and in some cases, significantly so, suggesting that, if anything, Trump supporters were less authoritarian. A second study confirmed uh, confirmed it. So uh, Hibbing, this guy at Cambridge, and his team of researchers, they did a national survey, and uh, it showed that Trump supporters only favor authority figures if those authority figures are committed to pursuing a particular set of policies. And, as will be described in detail shortly, the pertinent policies are those that protect societal insiders from the threats believed to be posed by outsiders. This is the key. It is societal insiders uh, 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 fighting against threats believed to be posed by outsiders. And that can be described and defined in all sorts of ways. Our country desperately needs a forceful, mighty leader. This is the question, by the way, that the survey uh, respondents were asked. Our country desperately needs a forceful, mighty leader who will keep us safe from criminal elements and from foreign powers. 84% of Trump's base agreed with that statement. 33% of self-identified liberals agreed with that statement, that we need a forceful, mighty leader to keep us safe from criminal elements and from foreign powers. And so if you just took that sentence and, and the results, you would, you would conclude, right, erroneously, that, oh, they're obviously authoritarian. They want this forceful, mighty leader. A parallel survey, though, asks the question, our country desperately needs a forceful, mighty leader who will help the poor and save the Earth's environment. And guess what happens? 35% of Trump supporters agree, 70% of liberals do. Clearly, the key factor is not some indiscriminate desire for a forceful, mighty authoritarian leader. But rather, there's a focused desire for particular policy goals. Trump supporters are hardly authoritarians who favor obedience over liberty, regardless of the issues involved. The thing that the leader is promising is the important thing. That's the key. Next up in this research, there's a a somewhat inaccurate account of the biological underpinnings of the left-right divide that is tempting to apply to the Trump movement, which is, if you compare it with people on the political left, those on the right simply are more responsive to negative stimuli generally. Have you heard that? Remember when this research came out? Uh, It was around 2014, 2015 or so. Like, oh, Conservatives, they're they're more responsive to negative stimuli. 
You're afraid of everything. You're scared. You're snowflakes. Remember all of that? Again, it's going back almost 10 years now, I guess. I'm dating myself. But in other words, conservatives are more attuned and responsive to negative stimuli, perhaps because they tend to feel more threatened by it. But the uh, the negativity bias thesis, it doesn't always fit. And this is a problem. Despite their alleged focus on the negative, individuals on the right are consistently found to be happier than those on the left. They are significantly less, not more, but less fearful of nearly all stimuli. Conservatives are. People on the right are less fearful of natural disasters, the dark, the grid collapsing, heights, and clowns. I'm not kidding. Like this, we're, People on the right are not as afraid of these things as people on the left. And they are less, not more, responsive, less responsive to negative situations such as environmental degradation and the threat posed by COVID-19. So they're, they're not afraid. It's not that they are more fearful. It's that they are more attuned. They recognize the threats. Not that they're afraid of the threats. They just, they just see them. Does that sound like the sheepdogs? That's what it sounds like to me. You know, the, the analogy of uh, sheep, sheepdogs, and wolves. I forget the guy who wrote the book. is called On Killing, I believe, and he talks about three types of people in the world. Sheep, sheepdogs, and wolves. Most people in a free society, in our society, they are sheep. And it's not a pejorative. It's not an insult. They're productive members. They're, they wouldn't hurt anybody. They, they're nice, right? They live their lives in peace. And then you have sheepdogs, those who, uh, you know, guard the sheep. They would never think about harming the sheep. But there's something different about them. They're sheepdogs. And, you know, the sheep kind of look at the sheepdogs and they're like, oh, they kind of look like wolves, you know? I mean, just look at them, you know? And the sheepdogs kind of act weird. They run around the perimeter barking at every single noise in the night and then, like, oh, that's a, that's a threat. Oh, there's a threat over there. There's a threat over here, you know? And the sheep are like, oh, my gosh, there's that sheepdog again, you know? And when the sheepdogs are doing their job, the sheep never see the wolves. And so the sheep then start thinking there are no wolves. But there are, right? Because the wolves will come and kill the sheepdogs and kill the sheep. They, they'll kill anything. Anyway, the three bedrock dilemmas that are most foundational to politics are, and this gets into the packages of traits. So here are the three bedrock dilemmas. Okay. How do you deal with members of your group that violate norms? So they're, they're in your city, they're in your culture. I'm not talking about political parties. I'm just talking about like your society, your village, right? And you've got people inside of your your group that are violating the norms that everybody else adheres to. So how do you deal with them? How do you uh, how open are you towards quote non traditional ideas and lifestyles? And how to relate to members of other social units? Every social entity, regardless of latitude or era. So 
throughout history have to address these three dilemmas. And there are two different main packages here. And they actually overlap pretty nicely onto left and right. All right, so according to the research out of Cambridge, and this is pretty well developed, but uh, they flesh it out and they apply it to um, uh, Trump supporters specifically. But every social entity, regardless of when it existed in human history or where, they address, they have to address three dilemmas. These are the bedrock dilemmas. How to deal with your in-group norm violators. How open you should be towards non-traditional ideas and lifestyles. Do you let that affect you and your society? And how to relate to members of other social units outside of your own. How do you relate to them? Okay. And, and there are these packages that exist. Individuals who favor... Harsh punishment for norm violators versus people who welcome the norm violators. You have uh, people who sort of give the side eye to new lifestyles and to people coming from other places into your in-group, into your society. And um, whether or not you are welcome, uh, you're welcoming to those people coming in. And so the packages tend to, uh, they form around two, two poles, basically. Harsh punishment for norm violators. And they tend to look side-eye at new lifestyles and at immigrants. Just as, on the other side, the other package, there are people who want to welcome outsiders. They are then open, more likely, I should say, to be open to new lifestyles. And um, they want to rehabilitate rather than punish norm violators those are the two camps and these packages uh, of of stances on the timeless bedrock dilemmas explain the astounding consistency of what we refer to today as the left right ideological divide scholars have traced this division back not just to post-revolutionary france but all the way back to iroquois tribes circa 1,000 B.C., and even to Neolithic societies in the Middle East more than 10,000 years ago. So if this line of thinking is correct, if what is universal is the core division between supporters of outgroups, norm violators, and new lifestyles versus opponents of outgroups, norm violators, and new lifestyles, and if Trump supporters and opponents are emblematic of that core division— then issues concerning outsiders and security should actually be what fundamentally divides Trump supporters and their opponents. So the next thing you want to do is test whether that is true or not. And they did. And it is. And you can actually see it most pronounced when you divide the Republican and conservative uh, population based on support for Trump or, dare I say it, rhinos, right? or uh, neocons or whatever, right? You've got a division there, and it's usually based off of whether or not to welcome outsiders or to, uh, to look at, you know, welcoming the, the norm violators and, and forgiving them for that or thinking that it adds to the culture. I look at that, when I read this, I thought, that's kind of like libertarian. <laughs> that's the libertarians. But think of, uh, think of um, artists, 
right? In Charlotte, for a long, long time, Nodaw was where all of the North Davidson area was where all of the artists lived. And I remember 20 years ago, I tried to buy a place, but it already exploded. But that was where sort of your urban pioneer attitude existed. It, you had, you know, sketchy kind of part of town. You had run down old shotgun mill houses, and um, they were very cheap to afford. So you had a lot of people that went there, and they were they were artists. They were welcoming to the to quote outsiders or out groups. They were norm violators. And so, how welcoming do you, as an entire society, uh, become like that? And obviously, there are downsides to this. You welcome too many people from an out group, and then your society fundamentally changes, and you don't know if that's going to be for the better or the worse, right? Compared with conservatives who might be considered part of Trump's base. Trump supporters, at best, are only marginally more conservative on economic issues. None of the differences is uh, is statistically significant, though. Differences are even more muted on social issues, such as birth control, abortion, and sex education. The story is really different, though, when you look at protectionist policies. Even though non-Trump supporting conservatives, or they call them Trump venerating, so, you know, like true hardcore Trump supporters, but they're conservatives. Even though they're supportive of the death penalty, reducing immigration, and increasing defense spending, Trump venerators are much more likely to embrace those stances. So they're more hardcore on defense spending, reducing immigration, and the death penalty support. And that's indicative of the bedrock dilemmas. It's not authoritarianism. 